What's up, everybody? Ryan Turford here, and welcome to The Extra Mile. This is the tag-along podcast for the Xbox Drive as we dive deep into the games and services you care about most. As always, we'd love your feedback on this and all of our shows over on Twitter at The Xbox Drive, and you can reach out to me directly anytime at Ryan Turford. Originally released on February 7th, 2012, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning smashed its way onto the gaming scene, and it was a pretty big commercial and critical success for both publisher EA and first-time developer 38 Studios, which was led by Kurt Schilling. It was supposed to be the start of the Amalur universe, spinning an in-development MMO as well as other planned media that was until the closure of 38 Studios in May of 2012 after a dispute with the state of Rhode Island. That's a wild story, by the way. I'm not going to get into it in this review, but if you don't know anything about that story, uh, you should definitely go and, and look into it. After purchasing the Kingdoms of Elmore IP from 38 Studios in September of 2018, we now have an HD remaster in the form of Kingdoms of Elmore Re-Reckoning. Huge thank you to THQ Nordic for providing a code for the game for review purposes. In Kingdoms of Amalur, you play as a character of your creation who starts the game as a newly revived, fateless one, with your memories gone, including those of your death. After meeting up with a fate weaver named Agarth, it's determined that your character has no predetestined fate and is able to change the fates of others through your interactions. Because basically, fate is a big theme in this story. Uh, basically, the story takes place in the Feylands, and essentially every person who lives there has a predetestined fate essentially. And, and fate weavers are basically able to do readings on people, almost like fortune tellers, and they can actually determine all of the elements of their life, including how they're going to die. Agarth informs you of an upcoming war that is fated to claim the lives of all of the realm's citizens, so you set off on a journey to change the fate of the Feylands forever. Written by author R.A. Salvatore, Amalur is a well-written fantasy story that at times can be predictable, but for the most part actually tells a pretty intriguing story that rewards players who want to learn more about its world. From reading journals and letters that you pick up, to endless optional dialogue trees with NPCs, there's tons to learn about the world if you're really invested in it, but I also appreciate too that this is all made optional, just in case you're not really invested too much in the story, because there definitely are going to be people who come to this game not really interested in the story, and I'm glad that there's options both ways. You can definitely tell that this was setting things up with a much larger experience in mind, and I appreciate the level of depth on display with Amalur's storytelling. There are also dialogue choices that will help you shape the story a bit, but for the most part, these changes are actually fairly little. I mean, you don't really have like huge sweeping changes to the story or anything like that. And you still kind of reach the same conclusion, almost like games like Telltale Games, for example, though it will sometimes change certain objectives or enemies on missions and stuff like that. For example, some of the missions, they'll be like, hey, you could either wipe us, wipe us like evil spiders out or you could go kill all the humans in this town, and then depending on what option you choose, you can be it will basically change uh, whether or not you have to do a certain boss fight. Also, change some of the story and side quest stuff that's available to you. So there are some options to consider, but again, it's not like huge sweeping changes or anything like that. The main campaign will take you about 30 to 40 hours to complete on your first playthrough, assuming, of course, that you don't get distracted by one of the game's many, many side quests. There's a metric ton of side quests in Amalur's world, and if you're looking to complete everything, you're looking at about 80 to 100 hours. There is a lot to do in this game outside of just the main story. On top of that, Re-Reckoning includes both DLC story packs, Teeth of Neros and The Legend of Dead Kel, which also add about 10 hours to the game's content combined together. 
Plus, early next year, there's going to be an additional new DLC story pack called Fate Sworn, which will expand the story beyond the credits rolling. And from what we've heard, it's going to be about five to ten hours or so as, as far as how long it is. So it's not going to be too long or too much of an investment, uh, but it's going to be something cool to play post credits. And I think they might be teasing something with that. I'm actually really interested to see what they do with this DLC. In fact, it's not very often you get an HD remaster that gives you new story content teasing something post credits. Like that is something like this, like uncharted waters. And I'm so excited to see what they do with this. Combat in Amalur is immensely satisfying. Amalur is a third person action RPG that essentially combines the combat from Fable and God of War together into a satisfying experience. Like Fable, you're able to map two weapons to your of your choosing to the X and Y buttons, while the B button is used to cast spells or use different abilities. You also have the ability to slow down time by entering Reckoning Mode once you fill up your Fate Meter, allowing you to dish out massive damage. You can also pull off a Quick Time Finisher in Reckoning Mode that can net you up to double XP from all of the enemies you've killed while the mode was turned on. Plus, it's super flashy and unique finishing moves definitely brought a smile to my face. I, I actually really love the, the look of Reckoning Mode. Basically, like the whole screen kind of like goes dark, but then your, your weapons light up and uh, as you do like the quick time kills, like, first of all, they're all like super brutal. They really remind me again of, of the original God of War games and, and kind of their their finishing moves. And uh, what, when you do one of these finishing moves, you'll actually sometimes use the weapon you have equipped to do them. Or sometimes you'll pull out one of like the nine different types of weapons in this. So it's, they're all like super varied. And uh, it's not very often you see the same one twice within like an hour or so of, of playing. Um, so it was, it was super cool. And I love kind of the over the top flashy moves that they got going on here. While times of the combat can feel a bit button mashy, your wide variety of skills and multiple weapon types gives you a ton of options to make things, mix things up, preventing the experience from getting stale. Speaking of options, instead of picking a character class from the beginning, you can fully customize your character with three different skill trees, might, finesse, and sorcery. Points are earned with each level that you earned, and depending on how you allocate your points, you will unlock different destinies, which will give you powerful passive abilities plus augmentations to your abilities that essentially serve as temporary classes for your character. You're able to freely put these points into any of the three trees, giving you a wide variety of options to match your playstyle. Each of the three trees basically also has three different weapon types attached to them, all of which play very differently from each other, but also the weapons in other trees as well. My character's personal build focused on might and sorcery, allowing me to use two-handed great swords for close combat encounters, while also throwing elemental-infused chakrams from afar and blasting enemies with spells at long range. However, there's one thing we definitely need to talk about with this game, and it's probably going to be the very first thing you notice when picking up the game, and it's the visuals. Amalur looked pretty good for the time it came out, with a solid frame rate and an impressive use of color, and a whimsical look to it when it launched back in 2012. However, with the remaster, the visuals were cleaned up a little bit, however, they leave a little something to be desired. While doing some comparison between the ver different versions for the purposes of this review, it definitely looks better than the original 360 release, and I would say it's on par with the PC release of the original game. In fact, I booted up my Steam version of the game, and they almost looked identical to each other, like I captured footage from it, and they, they almost look very similar to each other. Um, and the Steam release, I think, got a, a re-reckoning version as well that adds like the 60 frames per second, but I think other than that, it looks pretty much the same. 
they get the the visuals get the job done but in a year where we had some excellent hd remasters like saints row the third remastered call of duty modern warfare 2 remastered and command and conquer remastered i couldn't help but feel a little more could have been done to bring more of the visuals into the 2020 era of standards I will praise the rock solid 60 frames per second frame rate though, as I didn't really see a dip throughout my entire experience playing on Xbox One X. However, if you are playing on Xbox One S or the original Xbox One, the VCR, um, you'll only be playing the game at 30 frames per second. That's a, a series, uh, sorry, an Xbox One X exclusive feature. There was also an odd visual glitch I encountered during my playtime, causing my character's legs to be basically disappearing, and it didn't matter if I restarted the game, it was basically tied to my save. However, Literally, this issue was patched this morning by the developers at the date of this recording. And other than that, I didn't really experience any other bugs or issues with the experience at all. Um, it was a very smooth experience other than that one little bug. And again, it didn't really affect gameplay. It was just weird that my my body, like my torso, was just floating above my feet, just <laughs> running by themselves. It, was, it looked really odd, but it didn't really hamper the experience in any way or anything like that. Also, the interface and inventory system is still a bit clunky. And I would have loved to see some modernization done with the menuing, especially uh, if your inventory gets full in this game. Uh, it is a pain to go through your inventory in this game. And it's very much in that era and style of early 2010s uh, developers starting to basically get a grasp on inventory management. And it, it kind of reminds me of going through like you're uh, becoming over encumbered in, in Skyrim, for example. You don't become over encumbered in this game, but when you fill all of your 70 inventory slots, it just it bogs down the experience a bit going through your inventory, like shuffling things out, uh, selling items and stuff like that. So uh, I would have loved to see them improve some of that stuff. But again, it is an HD remaster and more of a port of the experience rather than an HD remake. So I, I do give them a bit of a pass for that because it is definitely um, not something you really see too often in remasters. But at the same time, I'm voicing that here as something I would have loved to maybe see um even if it came in a later patch or something like that like see like little tweaks to the inventory management i think could go a long way especially for new players i think um that's probably going to be a, be a bit of a turnoff for anyone's picking up the game for the first time overall kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning is still a fantastic experience that fans of open world action rpgs owe it to themselves to play its combat is addictive its story is intriguing and its world is worth exploring while I'm a bit disappointed in the sense that I feel like there were some things that could have been improved upon, especially with the new DLC coming and that bringing in a lot of older players or as well as newer players, but it's still a game absolutely worth your time, especially if you're into open world fantasy or action RPGs at all, like stuff like Fable or Elder Scrolls games. Like this is, game is going to be right up your alley. If you like games like The Witcher, like I, honestly, you got to play Kings of Miller Re-Reckoning. I think it's still a fantastic game. Even if the visuals are not up to the quality that that I would hope they would be, if honestly, if you've never played this game before, this is definitely the place to start. Whereas if you've already picked up a copy of Amalur on 360 or PC and you aren't interested at all in the Fate Sworn DLC, then honestly, this package is, isn't really going to do too much to bring you in. But at the same time, I do think that this is probably the best version of the game to play available on consoles to date. Um, also, I'll point out too that at the time of this recording and back to, I think actually back in July, the original Kingdoms of Amalur, even though it's back in Pat, has been delisted. So you can't buy the game digitally now um, after the license basically took over. That's the reason why it got delisted. Um, so you aren't able to pick it up that way. If you have a physical copy, it'll still work and you've already purchased it digitally. It'll still work that way. Um, but at the same time, 
I don't know if the if you if you're playing on Xbox specifically and you have the 360 version, you aren't interested in the DLC. If there's a need to to upgrade to this version of the game, um, but at the same time, I'm glad that the option is there. And definitely, if you are someone who has never played this game, definitely this is the place to start. And if, and honestly, if we have PlayStation 4 listeners listening, because yes, I know there are some of you out there listening listen to our show that don't have Xboxes. This is also the place to start as well because you don't have another option and it's definitely, like I said, a game that it's absolutely worth your time and definitely worth playing. That's all for this episode of The Extra Mile. You can hit me up on Twitter anytime at Ryan Turford. You also find the pants man himself, Sean Capri, on Twitter at Sean Capri or us on Twitter at The Xbox Drive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Extra Mile and we out. Bye. 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 Bye.